Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Prudential. Prudential believes life is filled with moments that test our courage. Their podcast, Everyday Bravery, celebrates those moments with stories to help you face your own challenges. Subscribe to Everyday Bravery now, wherever podcasts are available. This podcast was recorded live in the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center, the first and only experience of its kind on the East Coast, located at 165 Mulberry Street, Newark, New Jersey. For tickets to visit the museum, please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. This is Leaders Create Leaders, and I'm your host, Gerard Adams. This is a podcast showcasing today's change makers who dedicate themselves to creating the best tomorrow possible with vision, with hustle, and showing up world class. They offer advice, they offer lessons, but most importantly, they offer you their mentorship because leaders create leaders, and leaders are the ones that are impacting our world. It goes without saying that a strong entrepreneur is motivated. However, there are often struggles with standing out in the age of social media. Having motivation or building motivation is all about figuring out how to use your story to impact the world. Brittany Jade is the founder and program director of the Newark Radio Co-op, a digital radio station based in downtown Newark, New Jersey. And what I love about this radio station is that it features an urban alternative music format mixed with live talk shows and podcasts by and about people in minority communities. In her work, Brittany highlights the rarely told narratives of urban America. Following our guest, the motivational speaker Yaya Bakar, our audience took a minute to absorb our discussion on motivation and the five Ps, which is featured in our previous episode. And now we welcome Brittany J to the floor, who introduces her own nuance and delivery to the event. Thanks for having me. Yes. It's really amazing to have a local hero here. So just first and foremost, how do you feel? I feel a little nervous because I'm not a motivational speaker. So I was watching that like, oh, wow, I need to like change my life. So we're going to talk. <laughs> but um, besides that, I feel great. We have a show that's on air right now. So our station runs 24-7. So I'm kind of constantly worried about it yeah. and checking it. So um, We'll do the best you can just to be present. Everything is, uh, is definitely just amazing right now. I'm sure the show is phenomenal. I can't wait to check it out. And, and really, I'm, I'm just interested in kind of giving some background on your story, just kind of where you grew up and what inspired you to start Nork.fm. So I'm originally from Los Angeles, California, and I moved to New Jersey when I was in high school. My dad got a job promotion, and part of the job promotion was relocation, and it was either moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, or moved to New York City. And my dad's originally from New York, so we moved to New York for a summer, and then they bought a house in Jersey. And I went to high school in Old Bridge, New Jersey. My parents still live there to this day. And um, after school, I went to Syracuse University. Well, first went to Morgan State University to study communications, transferred to Syracuse, majored in communications there. And after college, moved back to LA, worked at eNetworks on a embarrassing uh, daily top 10 entertainment news show. 
decided I didn't really like it. And when I was at Syracuse, I had studied abroad in London for about six months. Oh. And I was like, I don't really like this job. I don't have any kids. I don't have a boyfriend. Nothing's really tying me down to be here in LA doing this. And I'd always been interested in documentary film production. And when I was in London, I noticed that there's just a different culture around it in England. Uh, the government funds a lot of documentary film productions. And so I decided to do my master's in documentary film production uh, at the Goldsmiths College, University of London. And then I got back to America in 2009 and kind of had to start at the same type of job that I was at when I was in LA working as a receptionist and moved my way up um, from receptionist to editor. And I worked on TV shows, commercials, lots of reality TV shows, very few documentaries, unfortunately. Um, but I don't know, when I started working in television and working as an assistant editor, kind of like very quickly after my first credit, I was starting to feel creatively stifled and mm. not really motivated by the shows that I was working on. Right. I don't know how many people watch reality TV in this room, but there's pretty much a formula to the types of shows that I was working on. And also at the time, podcasts- It's almost not really reality, <laughs> you know? It's supposed to be reality TV, but it's like- Yeah, there's like- Seems like it's very scripted. No, there's literally like story producers and story writers yeah. and the producers sending out the cast to do specific things. And I was just like, oh, is this why I went to school? So, yeah, at the time, <laughs> uh, podcasts were starting to become really big. Serial was like a big uh, hit at the time. I think to date it has like 200 million downloads or something like that. Wow. And I had a friend who was really into podcasts and she knew that I worked in reality TV. And on Bravo, they have a show called Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And she introduced me to this podcast called Watch What Crappens Live that kind of just like recaps all of the reality TV. And I remember binging it, like listening to like maybe 30 episodes straight and then just getting more and more into podcasts and exploring how they're actually made, the different types of uh, show structures, interview podcasts, panel-based podcasts, narrative podcasts, podcasts that are about tech, podcasts that are about beauty, podcasts that are about sex. And I was like, well, if I know how to edit TV, then I can probably easily transition into editing audio. Oh, yeah. yeah, and so I just started doing tons of research on the podcast that I was into and how they started, what software they use, and just kind of starting to teach myself how to make podcasts. Not thinking at the time I was going to start a radio station. I was just like wanting to do something else that was a little more creative. And then I got married in 2015 and my husband and I were living in Brooklyn where we met, where I had been living since I got back from London for about eight years. And we were looking to buy a house, and I remember talking to my mom about it, who is a Newark public school teacher. Give it up to mom. Yeah, shout out to my mom. <laughs> I should say she worked in the Newark public schools as a teacher, and now she works on child study teams, so just to be clear. But 
Yeah, she graduated, got her second master's, and we were at Monmouth University for her graduation. And I was like, so what do you want to eat? What do you want to do? And she was like, oh, I really want to go to Dinosaur Barbecue. And at the time, the only Dinosaur Barbecue that I knew existed was the one in Syracuse, because that's the only one that I'd ever heard of. And I was like, you want to go to Syracuse? And she's like, no, there's one in downtown Newark. So we come, and I'm looking around, and I hadn't been in Newark in a while, and I was like, hmm, a lot's changed around here like a lot is going on and she was like yeah girl you better buy something before you can't afford it and so like I literally like went home I told my husband I was like I think we should move to Newark and I was like showing him houses and showing him prices and we bought a house about two years ago this weekend actually we moved in Memorial Day and when I moved here my first Google search was finding a studio space and when I searched for a studio space, the first one that came up was the Gateway Project Spaces. And I reached out to them. I was like, hey, I'm really thinking about starting a radio station. I want it to be really progressive. I want it to be really diverse. I want the host and producers and DJs um, to be host and producers and DJs that are traditionally underrepresented on public radio and podcasts. And they were like, I love it. I'm so into it. You can definitely move in. And so I just started Googling again, how do you start an internet radio station? How do you start a podcast network? And there's a lot of information out there, actually. Somebody's actually written a book on how to start a internet radio station called the DIY Radio Cookbook. When you see the artwork, like you might be like, oh, what is this? Like it kind of looks like, <laughs> I don't know, the first digital fonts that were ever created <laughs> are like on the cover. But the information inside of it was amazing. Like he kind of step-by-step step laid out how he had started his internet radio station in Brooklyn. It's called Radio Free Brooklyn. Mm. And I followed it like it was a Bible. I was like, okay, this type of mixer, this type of mic, <laughs> I need these acoustic sound panels. And so last summer in July, we had a open call and I was just like, hey everybody, I'm starting a radio station. I'm looking for new hosts, I'm looking for producers, I'm looking for DJs, I'm looking for engineers. And like 50 people came out and at the time I had no studio. Like the studio is what used to be Equal Spaces conference room. And so it's just like this white bare room, no equipment, super echoey. Like you would walk in and be like, why would you ever want to use this for an audio project? But the people that came to the uh, open call were just really super excited. And by the time I got home, I had an inbox full of pitches of people wanting to wow. start shows. Yeah. Brittany is an impossibly brave woman. To be able to suddenly quit these incredibly secure positions with all the benefits and connections associated with them and leap into an industry as new to her as it is for, I mean, just about anybody else. That demands not fearlessness, but a kind of spirit that will confront every fear you have, the doubt and shame and the power to determine that none of it will stop you. We were fortunate enough to ask Brittany, how do you find this kind of courage? Where is it buried for her and most individuals? I think that, you know, I have a creative mind and I'm always thinking about different creative projects. And there are a lot of things that I've started and then once I've gotten to the thick of it, been like, oh, this is too hard. I'm just going to like go back to work. Like I know that's safe. I'll go in. Maybe I don't like what I'm working on, but at the end of the day, there will be a paycheck. And I just kind of got to a point where that paycheck wasn't enough. And I just was dreading waking up and going into work. And people would be like, what's the matter? Like, you majored in communications, you're working in communications, right. everything's fine. But I felt like 
there was more that I could be doing. And once I really, once I had the open call and started to talk with people and hear about the shows that they would be interested in creating and the stories that they wanted to tell, I really got a fire like under my butt and had a whole schedule of like, okay, by August, I need to purchase this mixing board. By September, I need this amount of mics. By October, all the acoustic panels need to be up yeah. and just kind of went through it systematically. Like it was, I don't know, like you were in law school or something. Jeez. Well, it's come a long way. How long ago was that? We launched on November 18th. So let's, it feels so much longer. <laughs> I guess that's like six months, wow. about six months we've been on air. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. the mission that you have. I mean, so I, I want to know with the current media landscape, what opportunities do you see impacting people in minority communities or gaps? Oh, there's so many gaps. I mean, especially in podcasts and in public radio, there is such a lack of diversity, even on stations that are pretty progressive. Like WMYC is one of the most progressive um, public radio stations in the country. And even they can do a lot of work to make it a little younger, make it a little less straight white guys and have more people of color and more people of diverse uh, sexual and gender identities. And on the podcast side, as more money starts trickling into the podcast industry and all of, I guess, what you would consider like legacy companies um, start getting involved, like New York Times and Washington Post. And when you look at the top 25 podcasts, it's like all legacy media. And the problem with that is traditionally those companies aren't that diverse. And so it's going to follow that the podcasts that they create aren't that diverse. And so there's a lot of space for women, especially and people of color to create some really unique shows that don't exist right now yes. um, in the current podcast. Lives. That's why I'm so excited about this partnership with Prudential too. The fact that they're allowing this platform, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. any specific mentors or role models that really made an impact in your life? Um, when I worked in TV, I mostly worked freelance. And so I was kind of working for like three to six months at a time and moving around. And so I never really had mentors per se, but I've definitely had people at every stop that for whatever reason, saw something in me yeah. and made it their business to help me in whatever way they could. Like just how I was just talking about how podcasting and public radio isn't diverse. Neither really was television post-production. I worked in TV for almost eight years. I never once worked with another black editor in eight years. I wow. never once had a black female supervisor. I remember going into a show or a commercial I was doing for IBM and this guy walks in and he's like, Kiana, what's up? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm Brittany. <laughs> and he's like, I'm so sorry. You look exactly like Kiana. And I was like, it's, it's totally cool. And he's like, and you have to cut me some slack because there's really not that many of you in this industry. And I'm like, yeah, Steve, I know. Like, there's not that many of us, unfortunately. Um, so I never really had mentors, but I definitely have had people that have helped me along the way. When I was working as a receptionist, when I got back from London, there was an editor that sat right in back of me and he was kind of like, 
what do you really want to be doing? Like, I know you probably don't want to answer phones for the rest of your life. And I was like, I don't even really want to answer phones for the rest of this day. <laughs> He's like, well, tell me. <laughs> He's like, well, tell me what you really do want to be doing. And I was like, well, I always liked editing. I like working behind the scenes. I feel like if I learn how to edit, then I'll always be employable because no matter what, you know, skill. if it's reality, if it's sports, if it's documentaries, if it's film, somebody will always need an editor. And he just kind of would give me footage that he wasn't doing or using and was like, cut something together and let me see what you can do. And if I would cut something together that he liked, he would, you know, let the powers that be know that I was the one that did it. And there've been people like that really at every job that have just kind of like looked out for me. So no mentors like long-term, but there's definitely like a collection, like a little village of people mm. behind me, like go for it. And you are becoming <laughs> a mentor. You are becoming a role model. So like really it's it's pretty spectacular how you're stepping up as a leader um, to make the change that you want to see in the world. Brittany is a storyteller and not only because she helps produce and nurture narratives and stories from across Newark, but because she is an observationalist. As an assistant editor and as one of the numerous workers for other production companies, Brittany observed that there was a lack of voices in the narrative she was producing. And so she took the steps to force a change and bring to life specific stories that could be foreign to specific audiences, but also reflect the common realities of everyday places. Places like Newark. You probably have seen a lot of impactful stories here in Newark. What are some that come to mind since you started the station? I don't know if it's one individual story specifically, but what has definitely struck me is the diversity of the people living in the city. And when I say diversity, I don't mean racial diversity. I think I like always knew that Newark was a racially diverse place. But I mean more in terms of the diversity in stories um, or the diversity of personal experiences that people bring to the station and talk about on the station. The wide range of creative endeavors that some of the people that have been interviewed on the different shows are involved in that are from here. These aren't people that are coming from Brooklyn or coming from New York. These are people right here in Newark doing amazing things in music, in film, in photography, in uh, gallery curation, in museum curation. Like the Grand Museum. Yes, like the Grand <laughs> Museum. This amazing. is beautiful. Like I've never, I drive by here and walk by here every day and I've never been inside. So this is really cool. But um the wide range of feelings and opinions that uh, people have about politics in the city, the wide range of feelings and opinions that people have on the current economic, you know, boom that's happening in the city, how people feel about education. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm loading, uploading shows to our Mixcloud because that's where we keep all the shows on demand. And I'll text and or email one of the hosts and be like, where did you meet this person? Like, this is like, how did you even know wow. to find them, to bring them to interview on the show? And they're like, oh, we uh, have been, you know, we used to work on this political campaign together, or we started a DIY art gallery like three years ago, or um, I don't know, that's my cousin and she's so amazing. Just, <laughs> and she's a like a small business owner and I wanted to give her some shine. And I, I really realized that even though it was my, idea there's no way that I would be able to do it by myself like what makes it 
interesting. What makes it diverse are the people that have their shows and the people that they bring onto their shows to share their stories in a way that I would never be able to do. I mean, just logistically, I wouldn't be able to do it. We have aired uh, almost 300 shows to this point, Mm. so there's no way that I would be able to do that by myself. How can others create platforms to tell their stories? Wow, (laughs) there's so many ways. I mean, specifically with podcasting, I would definitely say that the barrier for entry is so low. It's not like, you know, when I was working in TV and film, there's there were so many people working on the staff. You would watch some of the shows that I worked on and be like, (laughs) there's no way there's like a staff of people working on it. But it'd be like 30 and 40 people behind it with podcasts. Really, all you need is a microphone, a mixer, something to plug those things into, and a good idea. I would encourage people to start thinking outside the box a little bit when they're thinking about their ideas. I don't think the world needs another like pop culture panel podcast. I think the market's pretty much been cornered on that. I would encourage people to just think about what's missing in the current landscape, what type of story especially with narrative podcasts, there's only a handful of narrative podcasts that are created by. And when I say narrative podcasts, I'm talking about like the This American Life or Startups or Reply Alls, the premium like HBO series of the podcast world. There's not a lot of people of color making those types of shows. Try to do more shows like that and think less. I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, I want to be the next Joe Budden, or I want to be like the next Charlemagne the God and <laughs> Breakfast Club. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like Charlemagne's great. Like sometimes I listen to it too, but he's already doing his thing. Like, right. what's your thing? Be you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. For our last question, we want to touch on something that hinders the motivation and journey of a lot of entrepreneurs. As you can tell, our friend Brittany is quite the busy self-starter, confident, passionate, and rooted. We wanted to get her ideas on wellness. How could we not only get it, but nurture it and channel it into something that's a bit more than a hobby and becomes a way of life? Something that we can practice with the dedication that we apply to pulling up our bootstraps and starting our ventures. So what are some of your best practices for reaching out to people and building genuine relationships? With the station up to this point, I haven't really reached out to that many people. I've opened myself up and been like, okay, this is my idea and let people come. I will say Anthony, who's one of the producers of this event, was one of the first people that I emailed. I was working at Audible for a little while. I skipped that whole part of my background. Me too. Give it up for Anthony. He's amazing. Anthony is unbelievable. But I think somebody at Audible had mentioned to me that he was really into podcasts and he was from this area. And I just like sent him an email and was like, hey, I'm also really into podcasts. And I'm working here in Newark and I'm thinking about starting this company. And he would come to Audible and we would have like little powwows and little meetings. And I don't know if I ever told him this, but talking about my idea with him and like taking it out of my mind. Like sometimes when you're starting something, it's so lonely. You feel like you're out, like just like on the silo. And when I was talking to him, it was like, it made it real. It was like, oh, okay, now I've said it. Now like our next meeting, I should have a mic. (laughs) Our next meeting, I should have mixers. (laughs) Our next meeting, I should have this and that. 
So just reaching out to people and being genuine about whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I think people will like see your passion. I love whatever it. it is. Last question would be how important is wellness to you and what ways do you incorporate it both financially and mentally? Hmm. Interesting. I, since starting the station, like when we first started the station, I didn't have any engineers. I didn't have anybody helping me with social media and I'm not an engineer by trade and I've never worked with social media and we have 20 shows. And at the beginning, I would be like in the studio engineering a show and then like posting the social media, like taking pictures of people and then going home and editing the show and uploading it. And after the first two weeks, I was like, I looked like a crazy person. <laughs> Everybody that saw me was like, "Ooh, are you good? Like, are you okay? Yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> and my mom actually was like, I understand how important this is and how passionate you are, but you really have to, you know, take time for yourself. You need to, one of the things that helps me is working out. I used to be an athlete and if I don't work out, I can feel it. Like not just physically, but I can feel it mentally. And so just like making sure that I take time and not just wake up and start working directly on the radio station, like wake up, get some breakfast, yeah. meditate, work out, then go check all of your emails. As an entrepreneur, it's obviously a struggle. Figuring out like, okay, this is my passion. I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna get started. I'm gonna get that going, create, but then learning how to turn it into an actual business and and like just learning how to manage that, mm -hmm. you know, is sometimes really difficult. How yeah. have you been able to manage that landscape of like, okay, how do I actually turn this into a business yeah. where, you know, I can make money from it and well, grow it? With the station, I'm currently in the process of um, filing as a nonprofit. Because um, mm. in addition to the programming that we do on the station, I also want to start doing, there's a program that uh, WMYC created called Radio Rookies, and I taught it at the school that my mom works at now, 13th Avenue, and the students I had were fourth and fifth grade, and you teach them like radio reporting, how to use the mics, how to use the recorders, and I want to have a program like that that's a part of the station. I also want to have citizen journalism workshops as a part of the station. And so there's more to what I want to do than just the programming that's on the station. And I think what makes the most sense is to make it a nonprofit. Wow. Yeah. Talk about stepping up as a leader. That's really, really remarkable and honorable. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the Leaders Create Leaders show Thanks presented by me. Prudential and being at the Grammy Museum. Everybody give it up for Brittany Jade. Well, leaders, that's our show. Again, special thanks to our sponsors at Prudential and the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center for their wonderful help in bringing the Leaders Create Leaders event series and podcast to life. Make sure you go to lclnork.com. That's lclnork.com for more details on where you can find this episode and many more exciting things to come, especially some of the future episodes that are about to drop. This has been your host, Gerard Adams, representing Leaders Create Leaders. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey.